Good morning. This is the podcast for San Diego First Church of the Nazarene. My name is Dee Kelly, and I am delighted to be with you today. As you probably know, we are a church that's located in the Point Loma area of San Diego, California. We are located at 3901 Loma Land Drive in uh, San Diego and would be delighted to have you come join us on a Sunday morning or for our midweek programming. Our Sunday schools begin at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning and our services at 1030. And again, it would be a thrill to have you there or on Wednesday night. We've got some wonderful programming for all ages, including uh, choir practices um, for our Christmas music as well as our weekly music. And a special Bible study for any who might want to be part of a small group Bible study. We have it on Wednesday night. It's the Bible for everyone. And we're in Colossians right now. Would love for you to join us. This morning, we are digging into a passage in our series on Hebrews that's taken out of chapter 9 of Hebrews, verses 23 through 28. So if you have a Bible, I hope you'll follow along as we dig into this passage. I'd like to begin with just um, helping unpack a word that is part of this passage, not that it's mentioned specifically, but it is a term that is often used within Christian circles or religious circles, and it is the word atonement. And this is a word that is described as um, making amends for something that has gone wrong or caused a breach in a relationship. It is to try and correct something that has gone bad. And maybe the best way to talk about it in regard to the Christian faith is to actually use scripture. So in Romans chapter 3 verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is the thing that has gone wrong. We have sinned. And as a result of that, we've fallen short of God's um, expectations or um, requirements of the law that have been established. And so what has been done to make that right? Um, first, it's important to know what's the problem with that. Well, in Romans 6.23, it says that the wages of sin is death. And so the consequence for what we have done is death. That is part of the beginning story in the, in the story of the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and continues throughout our sacred scriptures. But there's been a provision made for that, and that's the second half of that verse in 623 where it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The atonement is what was done through Christ on our behalf that we might move from death to life. The verse that speaks about that, that is probably one of the most familiar to people who are familiar at all with the Christian faith, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. That explains, at least at some level, the notion of atonement. That we have sinned, the price of sin is death, but the gift of God is life through what Jesus Christ did. 
So Jesus Christ provided atonement for us. It's the bridge that has been built that restores our relationship with our Creator. So now we jump back into the passage in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 23. Let me read this passage for us. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once, for all, at the end of the ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once, to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this passage begins by talking about the copies of the heavenly things that are on earth that need to be purified. This is a long continuation or a continuation of the long story within Hebrews of proclaiming Jesus as the great high priest. And for that, we need to understand some of the high priestly roles and the sacrifices that would take place. When people were disobedient, they would bring animal sacrifices or grain sacrifices to be offered at the altar, and the high priest would offer first a sacrifice on behalf of himself and his family so that he could be made pure because he was a sinner as well, and then would make sacrifices on behalf of the people, receiving their offerings and sacrificing them on the altar of the uh, temple, Um, and then also bringing sacrifices that represented the sins of the community. And this would be done again and again, because there was this constant need for sacrifice for cleansing from sin. So this is the context in which we have Jesus being presented as our high priest. But instead of Jesus going into an earthly sanctuary, it says that Jesus entered heaven itself. The notion is that heaven is the divine sanctuary place. And anything that we see on earth is merely a a copy. Maybe the word that's used in chapter 10, verse 1, regarding the law is another appropriate word. It says the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. So the things on earth are a shadow of the image of that which is true and eternal in heaven. So we engage in many things in our spiritual practices that remind us of our hope, what Christ has done for us, and of the eternal life that we have through Christ. We participate in communion. We participate in baptism. 
um, our scripture reading and our liturgies on Sundays, they are in many ways this copy or shadow of that which we believe is eternal. They are the symbols of heaven. And so Christ in heaven entered and offered himself, his own blood, as a sacrifice once for all. Christ functions as both the high priest and the sacrifice. What's to me very, very fascinating about this passage is what we find in verse 26. Verse 26 says that he has appeared once for all to do away with sin. It's a fascinating notion that Christ, through Christ's death, did away with sin. Part of the understanding of this is that sin is attached to the law. It is disobedience to God's law. But the law itself, we find in the very next verse after our passage in 10.1, that the law is only a shadow of that which actually is. And Christ came in grace to redeem us from the law that we might live under the spirit of life, God's spirit. And it is a very different way of living. It is a way that calls us beyond the shadow or the copies of things that we see all around us and then takes us into that which is eternal and at times it seems like only our imagination can conceive of that which is eternal. But then there are glimpses of it in our journey by how Christ transforms us from the inside out. So it's no longer a sacrifice that cleanses us simply on the outside, making our relationship with other people better, but it cleanses us on the inside, making our relationship with God pure and right, bridged by what Christ has done. One of my uh, favorite love stories is a, I don't know what to call it other than a novelette. It's a um, short story written for both children and adults, and it's entitled The Dot and the Line, written by Norton Juster. It's this uh, love story that the line has for the dot, but the dot is infatuated with the squiggle. And the story unfolds as the line learns all of who he really is and then courts the dot with his newfound identity. It's a beautiful and delightful story. Well, I think of the ways in which our dimensions are limited in how we live. When you think of the dimensions of how we live, we um, think of a dot that has no dimension, a line that has one dimension, it has length. If there are two dots that are connected, that gives us a line, and that line has length, and that is a singular dimension. But it's only a shadow of that which has two dimensions. So a third dot 
that's not linear to the other two creates a plane. And in geometry, this plane has both length and width, two dimensions. But two dimensions, that's only a shadow of that which has three dimensions. So if there's length and width and depth, we have a three-dimensional object, and that's the world in which we live and we see in three dimensions. There are some who make reference that that's only a shadow of those things that are four-dimensional. A fourth dimension of time, that's something that three, is three-dimensional, has a lifespan over time, and that time provides a new understanding of what it is to live in this fourth dimension, the world in which we live. But even that, the relationship between a dot and a three-dimensional object living in time is so expansive. And yet, the way in which we live is simply a shadow or a copy of that which is eternal. And so we begin to try and grasp what it is to grab hold of God's grace and live into what has already been done in our life. And that is that the price has been paid. We belong to Christ. We've been made pure. And in being pure, we have the opportunity to then become an image or a symbol of heaven for others. It first calls us to be confronted with the good news. The good news comes into our life and meets us right where, where we are at. I hope you consider characters of scripture that maybe align with your journey. Maybe it's the woman at the well, ashamed of her history. And maybe that's how you connect with the gospel good news because Jesus met her right where she was at in her journey at the well. The woman who touched Jesus' garment in the crowd, apparently fearful that her illness had robbed her of her future. And right there, Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? And met her right where she was at in the midst of her fears. The Syrophoenician woman, who's never invited to the cool kids' table and said that she just wished to have the crumbs off of the table. And Jesus met her right where she was at, and she met Jesus. Heaven and earth touch in the midst of the good news where mercy meets need, where grace meets pain and hurt, where sin is forgiven. Maybe you connect with Peter who botched his best friendship three times in one night. Maybe you feel like you've botched things beyond repair. The good news comes to you in those moments. Or the Roman centurion, who I'm guessing wondered if his success in life excluded him from the good news. Having received his rewards on earth, did that mean that there was no eternal reward for him? And yet the Holy Spirit came, filled him and his house and his household. There the good news met him right where his need was. Or Zacchaeus, who probably never felt like he measured up. 
But when Jesus came and met him and dined at his house, heaven touched his life in a profound way. Or Jairus, who struggled with his child's health, made everything else in life seem insignificant. Maybe there are some of those family dynamics in your life, but the good news comes and meets you right where you are. Grace is like that. It not only does away with the sin and the guilt associated with sin, but it provides a hope, a salvation that is both now and yet to come. It's transformative of our journey where we are, and it provides hope for those things that are yet to come. I think we struggle with accepting the good news because it makes for an upside-down life. We struggle to live into what has already been done. We've been made pure, but it's tough for us to understand that. And so through our own discipline, we try and meet all the requirements of the law, not realizing that that's not how we are justified. Jesus has fulfilled the law. Every dot of the law, every line of the law fulfilled by Christ. We're now called to simply be followers of Christ, allowing the Holy Spirit to take all of who we are. And when the Holy Spirit begins to work into all of the areas of our life, we then become the symbols of heaven. People have the opportunity to look into our journey and see grace at work, see sin forgiven, mercy for our journey. Not that we are righteous on our own, but through what Christ has done, not only are we forgiven, but we are becoming more like Christ. Some may say, how can we do away with the law? There would be chaos. Well, the law certainly exists around us in terms of our daily lives and interactions with others. But in terms of our heavenly citizenship, we're simply called to follow Christ and be obedient to the Spirit. Not so that we earn anything, but that in obedience we find our best self. And in finding our identity, we become the conduit through which heaven gets communicated, the symbols of heaven. So I invite you this morning to allow God's Spirit to meet you right where you're at. God offers God's self to you. The question is, we, will we offer all of ourselves to God? The good news calls for that. It's a free gift. But offering ourselves to God, that's our step. The step to say, I am yours, Lord. Here I am. Fill me. Make me. Use me. Let me be yours. And let me be the gospel message to others. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you and praise your name for all that you have done. The gift of grace is so powerful. 
your redemption so merciful. We find ourselves over and over again in stories out of the sacred literature. But sometimes wonder, could you save us? Could you redeem us? Could you purify us? Could you break our habits that are destructive? Could you mold our lives in the midst of our pain, our fears, our illnesses? Could we, Lord, become a reflection of heaven, your message, having received your love and realized that that's where we find our identity? Could we then communicate that love to others? Will you empower us to do that, Lord, so that we might honor you in every way? And for that, we give you the praise. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now may God's grace be with you. May God's love flow through you. And may you have peace. Have a wonderful week, and I look forward to being with you again soon.